Welcome to Modern Aikidoist Podcast. My sincere thanks to listeners and those who have liked, subscribed, and commented. Your interest is noticed and deeply appreciated. My guess it would be impossible to find an Aikido practitioner, or any martial artist for that matter, who has not dealt with the frustration of a difficult training partner. Today's podcast is to help you identify them and find productive ways to turn the experience around and get something from your training. It might seem like identifying them is easy. Identifying our frustration is obvious, but it can be difficult isolating exactly what is causing it. It also may be that we sometimes slip and become the difficult training partner ourselves, so this can also serve as a gentle reminder to not be the poor partner. In Aikido, the term uke refers to the attacker, and nage is the partner who is practicing technique. I will use these terms from here on out because they are a little more descriptive of the role each partner plays in training. I want to make the distinction between sparring partners and training partners. Being frustrated in sparring happens quite a lot and is not as much of a problem. If you are sparring or engaging in more freeform practice, being bested by someone of greater skill is frustrating, but it's nothing that you should blame them for. If they are far more skilled than you are and using their skills to completely shut you down, then they are being a poor sparring partner. Sparring is a slightly different creature than training. That is, sparring is when you put together the components and techniques that you learn in training. Sparring will have a great deal of failure. It's like the laboratory, where the scientist experiments and experiences a lot of failures. The reason a scientist experiments in a laboratory is that it is a relatively safe environment to fail. Safety measures are set up to allow failure that would not be catastrophic. A good scientist would never risk life and expensive equipment by trying out their theories in the field. That said, sparring practice is not a real fight either. A friend of mine years ago was training to compete in a tournament with fairly high stakes. He was sparring with some of the very same fighters who would be competing in the tournament itself. They were on par with the skill level of the top competitors he would face. As he sparred with them, he started to feel confident as he was succeeding 60-70% to 70% of the time against them. His confidence built steadily in the months leading up to the tournament. Then, tournament day came and he faced those same opponents. Take a guess at the result. That's right, he was blown out of the water. The fights he had with them, he felt completely outmatched. He was puzzled at first, but each told him pretty much the same thing. When they spar, they're working on specific things. They're not playing their A game. Training is training, sparring is sparring, and fighting is fighting. Each blends into one another, but are different and separate. Anyone who turns their sparring into a fight without agreement with you in advance is crossing a line. Probably the most remarkable example of this is a young man named Charlie Z. He is notorious for going into boxing gyms, asking to do some light sparring with a fighter, then unleashing the most powerful flurry he can in hopes of knocking his partner out. It is pure surprise, which often works because surprise is a huge advantage in fighting. Then he struts around and brags about being one of the best fighters to ever lace up gloves. As much as I dislike giving press to those who make martial arts look bad, his exploits have already made him rather famous in sport fighting circles. I've seen a fair number of martial artists who behave in similar ways. They don't mind taking advantage of surprising their partners who have no idea that their partner is about to blast them. If you are a training partner, or uke, you must realize your role has shifted from being an opponent who is trying to overcome your partner. Your job and duty is to give your partner what he needs to improve his martial art. That might mean you slow down to his level, or just a little above so that he can learn. It doesn't matter if you know a hundred ways that you can confuse and overwhelm him. That is not your role. 
Let's start with the most obvious and common example of Mr. Difficult Uke. This is typically the new student who comes in, whether he has some previous martial arts experience or even just has a bit of physical aptitude. He's not really trying to be difficult, but he does not fully understand the rules of cooperative training. After being shown the attack he's supposed to do, let's say a punch to the face, he starts to notice that as Nage starts to execute the technique he was shown, he sees an opportunity to throw a different attack. Maybe this is a second attack shortly after Nage starts his movement, or it might be a whole different attack meant to confuse Nage who is expecting the face punch. Since he knows how Nage is going to respond, he thinks he's being clever by jumping a move ahead. If he's working with a beginner or intermediate student, it becomes pretty easy for him. He smiles with pride when he, the brand new student, has outwitted his opponent and landed a punch. He even thinks how easy it was to do without realizing that he did it entirely because he knew ahead of time exactly how his opponent was going to move, which would likely not happen in a real exchange. There are many reasons why I partner new people up with my seniors for the first few weeks after they sign up. First is, I can see what their level of control is with practitioners who are competent. Senior students can handle attempts to surprise them with ease. If they do get surprised, they have the ability to take those surprises without getting hurt or getting upset. Their ukemi, or the ability to be thrown and land safely, is sharp and they won't get hurt. Most importantly, my seniors know how to gracefully and elegantly handle people who are trying to show off. There's no room for ego battles on the mat. You can experiment and play, but temper should never start to get heated. I believe this is what Osensei meant when he spoke of his disapproval of competition. It doesn't mean you should never provide a physical challenge to your training partner, but it should never get to the point where your pride or ego drives you to get back at your partner. This is easy to do, and we must always be on the watch for it. Many years ago, I think it was when I was a brown belt, I visited a dojo while I was on vacation. The people were friendly, but I was still observant to their customs. When I visited other dojos, I came to realize just how differently dojos practiced, and I realized it was best to fit in as much as I could. This meant taking cues from my training partners for how they liked to practice. On this particular exchange, the instructor showed Shihonage, which is four-corner throw. When we partnered up, I found myself working with a black belt. Although I wasn't sure if he was first or second degree black belt, he clearly knew more than I did, which was great. I got to be Uke first, so I could see how he did his technique, so that I could use him for a standard when it came to be my turn. The Shionagi he did on me was nice and tight. It took my balance immediately and he stretched me out really well. It wasn't too much on my joints though, and I never felt that I was in jeopardy. This was exactly like I had been practicing it in my home dojo, including jutting the hips out to take Uke's hips out of alignment. These were things my instructor had been teaching me for a while, so I felt comfortable doing it that way. I never had an issue with overcranking on my uke, and the components were pretty well in place. I was pleasantly surprised to find a dojo which did technique like this. A few of the dojos I visited on other trips were too fluffy for my tastes. Judging from this partner, this was going to be a great practice. Then came my turn to be nage. I performed shio nage almost exactly like he did it to me, with the same level of tightness and stretching him out, even the displacement of the hips. He got up after I set him down and started berating me immediately. He expressed his utter disgust that I was doing technique like that. I apologized and told him that I would do better. Then I softened my technique and made it fluffy for him and he never said another word about it. It occurred to me that I was shown a few lessons here. First, don't dish out what you cannot take yourself. It doesn't matter if you're in your own dojo or someone else's. 
Second, as a senior student and a host, you set the tone for what you and your partner will be doing. Make sure you are setting the right tone. Third, if you find you've made a mistake in any way, never project your mistake onto your partner. This shows poor character. A warrior takes full responsibility for his actions and never blames others for his own mistakes. My partner failed to realize he set the tone of our training together and was unhappy when I was able to keep up with him. He had two options which could have been better than chewing me out for it. One, realize he set the tone and suck it up to endure the game that he started playing. Or two, admit that he set the wrong tone and ask me to adjust to it. I would have been happy either way. The way that he chose to handle it didn't leave me with a positive impression. Instead, it was a lesson in what not to do, and it's one that I pass along to my own students. It really comes down to don't dish out what you're not ready to take. If someone does play how you are playing, you need to realize that you were responsible for creating that game, and you cannot complain about it. If you do, you will come across like a crybaby. There will probably come a time in your development as a martial artist when you are ready for and want more resistance and challenge. This is natural. Frankly, if your training does not include this after some time, then something is wrong. Sadly, it is common for martial arts training to be stuck in grade school, and it never graduates students to middle school or high school. The evidence of this are black belts who are completely harmless. They might be covered in patches and have certificates all over their walls, but have no clue how to deal with a live opponent. I've talked about this in previous podcasts, so I won't go into it further here. The relevant point is that being adequately trained to deal with a live opponent means that you can deal with a difficult uke. The difference is when and where you deal with it so that you can learn how to effectively. This brings me to teaching method. There are two main approaches to building skill with dealing with the difficulties of combat. One, do it in progressive stages, starting simply with few variables and building skill incrementally. Over time, the challenges get greater and greater with more resistance and variety added in reasonable measure. And then two, throw students into the deep end of the pool and let them sort it out themselves. It may seem like this second method is pretty rare, but unfortunately it's not. Instructors who are not experienced in the incremental process cut corners and find it easy to use the deep water shove method. This is detrimental to the school, as students who don't figure it out quickly enough get frustrated and quit. Even worse, it throws the responsibility of learning directly back in the student's face. If the student isn't learning, that's their fault. Only an incompetent or psychotic instructor would blame a student for not learning things on their own. A good instructor will guide students along the way. It's true that every student will struggle with learning from time to time, even over long periods. It's the instructor's duty to assist in the growth as much as possible. The teaching method is kind of an offshoot point, but it's directly relevant to the topic. When you are uke, your job is to provide only the level of difficulty your nage will find productive. Too little and they will get bored or overconfident. Too much and they will get frustrated. The truth is, very few Aikido practitioners are good ukes in this regard. Being a good uke is not merely being cooperative and take good ukemi, or roll well. It goes far beyond that. I invite you to check out my previous podcast, Being a Good Uke, for more on that subject. As nage, we cannot expect or demand every uke to be exactly what we need, which is the reason for this podcast. What do we do when they are not giving us what we need? Even further, what do we do when uke is behaving in a way which makes training unproductive? I'll address this last question first. The answer will depend on your level of experience. 
I'll provide some recommendations, but in the end you must respond with what feels right to you. Let's say that you're a fairly new student and your uke is far more experienced than you are. This applies even if you are an intermediate student who's working with a black belt or someone with a lot of experience. Usually, advanced practitioners are great to work with because they can quickly see where you can improve and offer you help in doing so. That's a good partner. A not-so-good partner will confuse you. He may not have bad intentions, but he may even flood you with too much information for you to process. Take this one step further. A bad partner will not only confuse you, but will start criticizing you without offering helpful advice for how you can fix the problems you're having. This type of partner will eagerly point out every flaw. The instant you address one, they have two or three more to point out. Partners like this are one of two types, usually. The first type are not actually bad people, but they lack decent teaching or mentoring skills. They might just be socially awkward and don't have much experience or skill in mentoring others. Be patient with these types of people. They want to help, but they've just not learned how to do so constructively. It's okay to respond with saying something like, Thank you for your pointers, but I'm getting a little overwhelmed. And if it's alright with you, I'd like to focus on just one thing for the time being until I get it down. I found that this is a polite and friendly way to invite your partner to show some patience with you and ease back on the flood of advice. The second type are more sinister, which are those who are trying to build themselves up by making sure that you are torn down. The psychotic instructor is like this. I had one who liked to pull this little trick and he did it all the time. So much so it was a running gag with all the seniors in our group. Of course, since he was a very prideful and petty man, it was never pointed out to his face but we all joked about it quietly. What he would do when he was uke for you was that he would intentionally foil your technique. He was skilled enough to know exactly how to move or shift to halt your technique in its tracks. It helped that he was bigger and stronger than average on top of his Aikido skill. He might let you try two or three repetitions as he smugly smiled at you and then proceeded to point out what you were doing wrong. Then he told you how to make a small adjustment and from then on he would offer no resistance. When I was a newer student, what was going on seemed fairly legitimate. Then I started to see what I didn't before, and it started smelling fishy. As I grew more skilled and my Aikido got better, the trickery stood out more and more. I would do a technique exactly the same way I did originally when it failed, and it would succeed. But only after I was told what I was doing wrong, and I followed his advice for how to fix it. Then one seminar we got in a small group to practice a technique. One person starts as nage, and the others line up to be ukes in sequence. I got to be both uke and nage with him. When I was nage, he foiled my technique easily and offered his advice as per the formula I just described. Then came my turn. When I went through the line, I foiled his technique with the same method he used on me. Of course, I offered no advice or correction to his technique. I just smiled to myself as I confirmed the trickery he'd been using on everyone for years. If you're going to teach, you don't need to use childish tactics like that and should avoid them. They are not about teaching, they are about feeding your own ego. That is a bad partner. Don't be that guy. There's a time and a place to offer resistance and try to foil technique. Which brings me to my second category. You are an intermediate or slightly advanced student and are struggling with someone who wants to prove something. It might be a new student who is physical or has some previous martial arts skill and he wants to show you up. Maybe he wants to impress you with what he can do. In either case, the worst thing you can do is play his game. Chances are he is going off the reservation, so to speak. Best not to join him there. I advise saying something like, 
I appreciate you have some good skills, but that's not what we're working on right now. I'd like to practice what the instructor is showing, if that's all right with you. This is a good answer for the what if, uke. They will often say, well, what if I do this? Or what if I do that? While they're working on just one technique. That's the what if, uke. This is something that is very common among new students who don't yet understand that when you learn and practice a single technique, that you're not learning the entire martial art, just one tiny aspect of it. When this happens, realize you're dealing with someone of very little experience. This will probably be a bit shocking to you as an intermediate student, as you probably have in your mind that you aren't yet skilled enough to be viewed as a senior student. But you are one. This is the first level of responsibility you have to those with less experience and insight. It's a sobering thought to suddenly realize you have the knowledge and responsibility to set the proper tone and attitude in your dojo. This can feel like a sudden ambush and can easily catch you off guard. That said, students in the intermediate and advanced Q ranks, which are those just below black belt, should be getting used to dealing with many variables of attacks as well as adapting technique when their plan A doesn't work. If all you can do is follow your formula and you need ukes who can comply with that formula, you will wake up one day to find your art isn't a martial art at all and all you learned how to do was your part in a choreographed dance. Whenever it is you start dealing with the unpredictable or live resisting uke, partners who were problems before now become prized. They pose the kind of challenges you need to get stronger as a martial artist. You should celebrate that you have the opportunity to learn. Recognize what's happening and take advantage of it. If your opponent is using a lot of strength and being wily, learn to adjust, adapt, stay fluid, and outmaneuver him. Test yourself by not using strength yourself and trying to overpower him. Your Aikido is good when you can elegantly manipulate his movements as you let him use his strength. You should be making him work much harder than you are. One particular challenge I remember encountering in my old dojo was two sisters who were the most flexible people I have ever seen. Their wrists were so flexible that they could lay the front or back of their hands on their forearms and twist their hands all the way around. Pronate and supinate if you're into the medical jargon. I found that Nikyo and Sankyo, which are Aikido's wrist lock and forearm lock respectively, were virtually impossible on both of them. They were great people and did not try to be difficult, but they were built like Gumby with evidently no skeleton or joints to speak of. An old lesson came to mind which my father imparted on me as I was learning to drive. He said, if you can't drive a manual transmission car, you're not much of a driver. He insisted that I learn to drive a stick shift car, much to my disappointment. I went on to learn on probably the worst manual transmission car ever produced, which would stall if the wind shifted directions. After working with that car and learning to hang on the clutch parked on a hill, I'm happy to say that there isn't a car out there I cannot drive. I realized Aikido is the same thing. Did I want my techniques only to work on some people? No. I figured out not only how to adjust technique to work on someone who is really flexible, I learned how to quickly identify through feel when a particular technique wasn't going to work and what to do as a backup. I never would have gotten this had I not worked with them. Having them in my group was a blessing. You should feel this way when working with those who are challenging you. You might look at them as your mountain to climb, but when you do, your Aikido will be far stronger because of the challenge you overcame. This might be the partner who is much bigger and stronger. Think about it. If you're used to handling much bigger and stronger attackers, will you be apprehensive if you face one for real? Same thing with someone who is slippery and fast. 
Get used to dealing with them effectively, and you will not be surprised or afraid should you encounter someone like that in real life. The more exposure you have to all types, the better your Aikido will be. You will be well-rounded and capable without having your Aikido fall apart because you lack experience in handling a difficult person. That brings me to the third type, which are advanced students who are dealing with intermediate or less experienced students. You are the senior, the example. You should set the tone. If you are a black belt or an instructor, nothing should rattle you or take you outside your comfort zone. You should be above the petty ego battle you may be invited to play with your partner. Personally, when these things happen, I take them as a training opportunity, just as I advised above. If someone wants to go off the reservation and play, I don't mind that one bit. In fact, I now enjoy it. I look at it like my opportunity to deal with the sudden and unexpected surprise of being in an extended physical confrontation. I let my training kick in, which includes not only energy management, but attitude control. I strive to keep a calm head and apply my training under the stress of the ego challenge. I do not back down, but I try to gain the advantage position and immobilize my partner, not with malice, but with cool precision. Frankly, I usually start grinning a bit through it because I enjoy it so much. Turn the invitation to battle into joy for you. If you are able to test yourself against someone who is actively trying to dominate you, this is a tremendous gift. Savor it. Use it to find gaps in your training and application. You will come away stronger for it. This can be very disconcerting to see someone who you want to frighten with your ferocious attacks smiling because they are clearly enjoying it. Just something to think about. Difficult partners are a challenge, but think of how good you will be when you have learned how to handle them effectively. This should be your go-to thought when you are faced with one. When you find yourself with an uke who is difficult and you just cannot find a way to deal with them, I suggest asking them to help you. This will shift their mindset from an opponent to a mentor. It may seem simplistic, but it works extremely well. If you give them the lead on teaching you, they are actually harming their own efforts by being overly difficult with you. Turn a confrontational situation into a collaborative one. What do you think? Please share your ideas in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube or go to the Facebook group Aikido the Marshall Side and post a comment. The Spirit Aikido online program is now live. Subscribers get access to video training and mentoring to techniques and training methods that I've adopted from other martial arts to make my Aikido more practical. There's a link in the description section. I invite you to check it out. I always enjoy hearing from listeners of the show, whether through comments or questions. Thank you all for sharing your interest. Enjoy your training.